0: So, with eight regular season games left, USC is 4-0 and and ranked number six in the country. And you know what? This team is showing qualities of being a championship-caliber team. That's what's coming up next on Locked On USC you are locked on trojans your daily podcast on the usc trojans part of the locked on podcast network your team every day fight on everyone i'm your host mark Colkin, and thanks for making locked on usc your first listen every day whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast, we're free. And thank you so much for coming along for the ride without you. This show is meaningless. And without you hitting that subscribe button on YouTube, it doesn't help. So please hit it. It means a lot more than you think. And if you just want to hear the voice and you want to respond, go ahead and follow me at my Twitter at Mark Culkin. And again, wherever you download your podcast. You can find this show. So, when you're wrong, you need to say so. I always say your best ability is accountability. And I was wrong about this USC team heading into their game against Oregon State. Uh, it wasn't high scoring, it was an ugly knockdown, drag them out, full tussle defensive win for the Trojans. Um, and it was beautiful. It was the, probably the most beautiful, ugly win in a long time. And I'll tell you what, I learned a lot about this squad. Um, Lincoln Riley, uh, what? let's just go here. What did UFC learn about itself following their game? Lincoln Riley learned this, quote, We have guts, we have some toughness, this was a tough, hard-hitting game, and we knew it would be. It certainly wasn't perfect, but we found a way. It was awesome, end quote. I'll tell you what. We're also learning that uh, Riley's squad, uh, they're multidimensional, and I'm not just talking about on offense. The USC is more than just Caleb Williams waiting for Jordan Addison and Mario Williams to get open downfield. Uh, and they get, and he gets to do that. Why the O line uh, keeps his uniform clean for the most part during the game. Well, the Trojans have learned through their first three games, and now into their fourth game, uh, they have a running game that they can lean on to get them the yards uh, when they when the passing game isn't working. So for their first three games, USC amassed over 600 yards on the ground. That's over 200 per game average. They didn't quite get there on Saturday. Uh, they they were only able to get 177 <laughs> yards on the ground. Still pretty damn good. Um, Travis Dye was able to uh, get 133 of those yards. Um, and he did that on 19 carries, which is a, about a seven yard per, per clip every time he touched the ball. That'll get it done. And guess what? He probably would have had more yardage on the ground and maybe even a few more uh, yak after catch um, if Caleb Williams was able to complete more than 44% of his passes uh, on Saturday. Yeah, Uh, you heard that correct. He had a really poor performance uh, in the passing game. There's no other way to state it. Um, Whether it had something to do with the Reeser Fields' crown, which, uh, you know, if you've ever been on a pitching mound, you know you're throwing down from the, from the middle of the field crown to the sideline. There's about a six-inch uh, drop. Uh, so I don't know how much that played a role, but, um, man, Caleb couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And uh, there's a lot of wide-open wide receivers that he was missing. Uh, he finished the game though, going you know sixteen for thirty six, one hundred and eighty yards, and one huge, big time throw for the winning touchdown with about a minute fourteen or so left in the game. So, uh, Caleb's performance was, at least in the passing, was so bad he made Oregon State's quarterback Chance Nolan look good, and Chance only completed fifty eight percent of his passes and he threw four interceptions. But he looked more comfortable back there. At least uh, he looked more comfortable till the end of the game, because that's when uh, USC's defense made the play when they had to. We'll get into that. Um, so when you have an offensive game plan that that couldn't execute for most of the game, again, the Trojans they found they found out something about themselves. Uh, they discovered that they have championship qualities. Look, almost every team, almost every championship team, um, including every Heisman candidate, uh, they're going to have games like the game USC played and the right game where Caleb had on Saturday up at Oregon State. Um, but again, those types, those teams, and those individuals. They find a way to win those types of games when nothing's going right. And that's what happened on Saturday. Um, and it happened on their final drive with two huge plays. Um, first, you, you, how do we not talk about, I guess it's being dubbed the the Neilan nudge as opposed to the Bush push? So on fourth down and six, and uh, just a huge play by, by Brett Nealon. Caleb had was running for the first down. It was short by a good two yards. And at this point, you're thinking, oh, gosh, the ref is, you know, they're going to blow the whistle dead before anything can happen. But Nealon was the first there. Jonah Monheim and the rest of uh, the USC offensive line, they put in that extra effort. They pushed forward. They got the first down. How big was that? Well, it led to uh, Caleb Williams' laser beam of a throw to, uh, to Jordan Addison for that one touchdown. And there's very few quarterbacks that can make that throw, let alone that should even attempt that, sh- that throw. But, again, that's what big-time players do in big-time moments. Um, after the game, Raleigh said, look, our offense, doing what they did on that last drive, showed a lot of grit and a lot of determination to match what we were doing on the field defensively, end quote. I laid this out last week. Here's the scene. Look, USC was playing at their own personal house of horrors. For whatever reason, since the turn of the century, um, some of USC's best teams have lost in Corvallis. We don't have to go as far back as 1967 uh, with OJ Simpson. They actually won the championship that year, but you can go back to 2006 and 2008; those were losses. Um, in to, you know, 2008, USC was number one. 2006, USC I think was ranked number three. 2005, it took a Reggie Bush moment to escape. I think this this was John Carpenter's lost script for the movie The Fog, um, because without Reggie Bush and that punt return on special teams. Who knows if they leave or Stadium victorious on that day, right? So, so far, USC has played two conference games on the road. and They played them at places where they have struggled. Um, again, I said since the turn of the century. First one was at Stanford. I, would, I just went over those games um, in Corvallis where USC has had a, a tough time winning. And they met both challenges um, against teams that embarrassed them last year in Los Angeles. So, look, playing on the road is hard. Playing conference games on the road is even harder because of the familiarity factor. Uh, even against teams that you're, you're supposed to beat, um, again, they know you. They play you tougher. They know your tendencies. Even, you know, when you've got a new coaching staff. Film is out already by the time you're you're playing conference games. Even you know, Stanford, they're familiar with the USC players. Oregon State, they had a little bit more film to work with. So um, when you look again now that USC, they're 2-0 uh, in conference, and they've got two more challenges now immediately ahead of themselves. Obviously, the first one, they can't they can't let down they cannot let down their guard coming home this week to face a an, under, an ASU team that has no business being on the same field with USC this year. Uh, a loss at home to ASU would be disastrous to say the least. Uh, because challenge number 2 is the week following when USC travels to Utah. If look, if USC is finding out that they are that their championship quality is um, USC has already found out on the road that they've won games playing defense and that they're not only an opportunistic defense, they're actually pretty damn good uh, when they play assignment football. And that's what they did up in Corvallis. And it's good that they're finding this out early. Now, if this team can just fix a couple of issues on special teams... This team will not only feel special, they will also look special. So here's what we need to do. Here's what you need to do. You need to head on over to uh, LinkedIn Jobs. You know why? Because these days are a new potential hire can feel, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. UFC had one of those high stakes uh, hires and it's paying off for them. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So when you get head on over there, add your job and then go ahead and hide and then add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. So you can spread the word, that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions, it makes it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your jobs for free. Terms and conditions apply. So last week it was Solomon Bird. This week it was a new uh, defensive player that arrived to USC through the transfer portal. Solomon Bird created turnovers, created havoc. Uh, this week, the USC defense created four more takeaways. That gives them a, as a team, they're plus fourteen, and the offense has yet to give the ball away. Although they did come close this past weekend uh, up in Corvallis. Sometimes the ball just bounces the, bounces your way, and this is why again, people are starting to get that special feeling about USC right now. So, again, they're plus team That leads the country. And I'll tell you what. I mentioned Solomon Bird and what he did so far. Eric Gentry, um, to say that he's made his presence known playing for USA, I think that would probably be, that, that would be an understatement. It would be very obvious um, that Eric Gentry has made an impact. Look, uh, I, I'm not going to speak for every Beaver fan, but following Saturday's contest, I think it's safe to say that uh, they probably don't want to see any more of Eric. Now, look, it's a possi- it's possible they can meet up again in the conference championship game. Um, who knows? We'll see. They still got some tough games, including uh, they head to Utah this week. We're rooting, right? I think we're, are we rooting for them or do we want Utah to stay with one loss? I think we want Utah to stay with one loss. Nevertheless, I digress. Every against Oregon State had an interception. He had a pass breakup, which led to USC's fourth interception of the game. And uh, he also, just for good measure, had eight tackles in the game. That's going to have an effect on the other team. Here's the analogy I want to use going back and and I'm going back to last year, the way Oregon state just used Jack Coletto to kill USC. If, if this was an Avengers movie, I know this is cheap. It would be like Loki saying, I have an army of Jack Coletto and USC responding with, well, we have a gentry. That's what Eric did to, uh, to Oregon state on Saturday. He was just more impactful than, than Jack Coletto was this time around. Um, and it also pre- it prevented the Beavers from beating USC back-to-back times, going all the way back to 1916. So while they didn't play in 1915, I'm not sure why, uh, Oregon State did beat USC on consecutive games in 1914 and 1916. Eric Gentry and USC's defense played a big role in preventing that from happening again. Uh, I mentioned uh, the four interceptions; USC now has 11 as a team through four games. That's not a fluke. Um, that's coaching. That's development. And uh, you know, let's let's give kudos to Coach Dante Williams in the secondary along with. You know, as well as to Alex Grinch and to the entire defensive staff. But Dante now gets to focus on his craft without having to focus on the entire team. And it's paying dividends. Look, Makai Blackman had another really solid game. They tried picking on him. He made a huge interception uh, down around the five-yard line when they tested him. Did he get away with a little tug? Maybe. But uh, you know what? They got them the, against Stanford a few times when they probably shouldn't have. So it all evens itself out, right? Um, so again, that's that's not a fluke. That's that's coaching. That's development. That's the players trusting the coaches to put them in the right situation, uh, even when everything isn't going according to plan. Like you know, scoring touchdowns and capitalized on all the mistakes uh, that USC's defense was forcing Oregon State to make. Think about that. USC created four more turnovers, and they only had 17 points to show for it at the end of the game. But it was enough to win. Uh, Riley said after the game, look, if everything's rolling and you go separate, that's awesome. Obviously we want that to happen every week but that's not college football it doesn't happen like that all the time how many times you see a really good team go in and get upset or beat in a tough road atmosphere like tonight I mean it happens all the time but that's where you separate yourself that's where that's really the really great teams find a way no matter what the circumstance and we found out we found a way tonight end quote. It was such a sequence and finish, Riley said after the back and forth. Big time drives by the offense to take the lead and defense to finish off the win. Quote, if anything we've done up to this point shows the progress that we're making in the locker room within the walls, the culture tonight as a whole really did show that end quote. Uh, His final quote, I think, summarizes what every what all the Trojan fans are probably feeling after that game i'm probably more proud of this win than the previous 3 uh, riley said we found a way and it feels damn good he's right you know what forno feels damn good last year this team does not win this game if they they this is the team that would have found a way to lose instead Caleb Williams struggles throwing the ball. Forty completed forty-four percent of his passes. By far, the worst game of his now eleven-game college career as a starting quarterback. Yeah, you have to you have to acknowledge that he's still young. He's played eleven games as a starting quarterback. He's learning how to win in tough environments. You gotta, you gotta give credit to that when that happens. Um, This team on offense, when, when, when the passing game wasn't working, the running game was, and they didn't let, you know, a little hiccup deter them from not, not staying focused, not trusting the coaches um, to, to, to be able to, to, to stay in the game as long as they did for basically, you know, 45, to go 45 minutes with one touchdown and a field goal, um, this team could have easily reverted back to their default and not remained a discipline. So it's a good sign going forward. And this is what championship teams are made of. These are the qualities you look for. And the fact that It's already happening four games into the season with all these new transfers and the most unique roster ever put together in college football. USC fans, you should be pretty excited. And you better be at the Coliseum Saturday night for that 7.30 p.m. kickoff (coughs) because this team is fighting like you've never seen them fight before. And you should show that appreciation. Get out there. Make, you know, let them feel what it feels like to be 4-0 and the number six team in the country. It would mean a lot. So, USC, I mentioned it, they're number six. This is their highest ranking in the poll since September of 2017, 2017, that's five years ago. And... Um, they actually moved up one spot. They were at number seven. They moved up to number six because our good friends from Oklahoma, they choked away a game at home against Kansas State. That's right. So the Trojans are now the highest uh, ranked of the 4 Pac-10 10-plus-2 teams that are in the new top 25, ap AP Poll top 25. Um, USC is number six in both AP and coaches. We only go over the AP poll uh, on Locked On USC because uh, the coach poll doesn't mean anything. and They don't watch the game. The coaches, they're more involved with their own games. Um, I'm here to tell you a secret. It's the SIDs or an assistant coach or an assistant SID that fills out those, uh, uh, those ballots that get sent in. So there you go. Um, At at least most of the uh, AP pollsters watch the games and and do a good job when they cast their ballot. Most of them. Nevertheless, (laughs) um, like I said, there's four Pac-10 plus two teams that are in the uh, new AP poll, top 25, heading into week five. USC, number six. Uh, You have Utah checking in at number 12, which is great. Oregon moved up to number 13 after their come-from-behind win over Wazoo, who literally, they cooged it. It's, it's real. It is part of the Washington State DNA. They will find ways to lose games. They have no business losing. And the term cooged it, it's real. It, it should be put in the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. Nevertheless, Washington, the Huskies, they moved up to number 15. So, there you go. USC, Utah, Oregon, Washington. Those are your four teams that are inside the AP Top 25. And you know what's really cool about this? Or I let me just say what's really funny, at least to me. Uh, both Oregon State and Wazoo, even though they lost over the weekend, uh, they still have more receiving votes um, than 4-0 UCLA. (laughs) I ask yourself this. In fact, you don't even have to ask, this is rhetorical. USC, if they were 4-0, regardless of the competition, would never, ever, ever, ever be sitting outside the top 25. The UCLA Bruins have three votes from AP writers saying that they should be in the top 25. Well, when you look at you when you look at UCLA's 4-0 record, you peel back the layers, um, they have they have probably played the weakest schedule in the country. I haven't looked it up. I don't know what their actual strength of schedule is. Yes, Michigan did back out, which led to one of the Alabama directional schools on their schedule. Nevertheless, um, they're 4-0, and they're getting absolutely no respect. We'll find out out how good UCLA is as they now start getting into the meat of their conference schedule. So, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. I'll be back again tomorrow with another one. You know Locked on USC, five days a week. We'll come back, and I will pass out my grades for each position, uh, each position group, coaching, as well as uh, MVP awards um, for the game against Oregon State. But until then, you know what to do.